Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truth about deception. Whenever anything learned or taught contradicts and destroys what I know to be true and foundational to my faith in the scriptures, I hang on to what I know to be true. You understand? Simple truth. Deception needs your permission. You are one who gives permission to be deceived on what you know to be true. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's easy to sing, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. But what happens when false teachers begin to chip away at your foundation? That's what Pastor Xavier addresses as he brings us three principles of truth and hope in a message drawn from our Simple Truth study series of the book of 2 Thessalonians. Let's listen, beginning with our text for today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. The message is entitled, The Day and Our Gathering to Christ. What we want to do is look at Paul's comfort to the Thessalonians regarding false teaching about the day of the Lord. And Paul does this as a faithful teacher and spiritual father by a threefold declaration in verses 1 through 3. Let me read them for us. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you, do not be soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Here's the threefold declaration as a faithful teacher and spiritual father. Regarding this deception. First, Paul reminds them of what they knew. Verse 1. He reminded them of what they knew. Secondly, Paul reproved them for what they had believed. In verse 2. And then Paul re-instructed them on what they had forgotten. Verse 3. Reminds them, reproves them, and re-instructs them. Let's begin here with Paul as he reminds them of what they knew. First, Paul reminds them of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. They now are concerned about their own gathering. And the word gathering here to Christ means that someone had declared the day of the Lord had already begun. And in their mind, they couldn't understand if, if, if we're supposed to be gone and it started, what are we doing here? Now, Paul had told them that they would be caught up together with the Lord in the air to meet him in the air. In 1 Thessalonians four seventeen and 18, we've seen that. They knew that. The teaching that declares my Lord delays us coming or that the day has come is deception. Jesus said that in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Let me give you one verse. The first words out of the mouth of Jesus when they asked him, when will these things be? When shall be the signs of his coming and the end of the age? He said this, first words. Take heed that no man deceive you, Matthew 24, 4. Implication? Men will deceive concerning my coming. And so Paul reminds them, first of all, of what they knew. The foundation to remember. He reminds them. Notice secondly in verse 2. Paul reproves them for what they had believed. You might mark this, the folly to reject. There's a lot of folly being taught and preached in the church today 
And people are not rejecting it. They are embracing it. Paul reproved them for being soon shaken in mind and trouble by discounting what they knew. This is what happens. We let go of what we know to be true. And we get moved. This describes the unstable soul. The one who lets go of the truth and taken by the deception. What's the whole purpose of the church? At least one of the purposes in Ephesians 4. That you not be not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. If you're not grounded, you're not mature, you're not growing, you'll be taken by the currents of the spiritual deception that goes in and out of the church all the time. You're a candidate. Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. So we shouldn't be surprised when his ministers, his angels can be transformed, right? 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. How do I know who's talking to me? If I know the word of God. I need to compare it to the word of God. Listen, deception needs your permission. Simple truth. Deception needs your permission. And if you allow somebody to deceive you from what you know to be true, you take full responsibility on the deceived part, and that person deceiving will take his responsibility when God judges him. You are one who gets permission to be deceived on what you know to be true. Whenever anything learned or taught contradicts and destroys what I know to be true, and foundational to my faith in the scriptures, I hang on to what I know to be true. You understand? Real simple principle. The law warned about false prophets. In fact, God said he would allow false prophets to come to test his people to see if they love God. Do you know that? Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 3. He says, I allow false prophets to see if you love me. God will allow false teaching to come to your life and he's going to test you if you love him. And if you let go of the truth, you prove that you don't love God. It's a test he will allow. The severity of attacking God's word was indicative of the penalty of death. The false prophet was to be stoned to death. Deuteronomy 13, 8 through 11. The believer is to be a good Berean. You know the scripture, Acts 17, 11. Receive the word of God with all readiness of mind, but examine those things to find out if they are true. If they're not, get away from them. 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Not every spirit confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh or is coming in the flesh. So you must test the spirits. To what? To the word of God. God is not the author of confusion. Walk through your mind, if you will, of all the deceptions that have come into the church the last 25 to 30 years. Let me mention some of them. The shepherding doctrine. It comes and goes. Where elders take control of people's lives. And so I'm your elder and, and you submit. I'm your spiritual kind of overseer. And you submit to me and you tithe to me. And you don't do anything without my permission. And, and I tell you who to marry, who not to marry, where to go, where not to go. That is crazy. And people submit to that. The Shiloh Ministries back in the late 60s, early 70s got into that. Destroyed their whole ministry. The positive confession, health and wealth doctrine. Been around a long time. I'm surprised. I'm amazed. You're little gods. You can demand God. Health and wealth, it's yours. You're the king's kid. Thousands and millions of people following this doctrine. Merchandising God's people. The signs and wonder movement, exalting experience above scripture. Living by emotion, by experience. Becoming real mystical. 
seen auras around people. Casting out demons. Demon Christians can be demonized. Teaching people how to raise people from the dead, supposedly. And so you've got to have a, a new revelation next time. And pretty soon the Word of God is looked down upon. And, and, and all there is is just a, a beautiful, attractive worship with a lot of emotional experience. And always seeking a new little uh, oozy-woozy, fuzzle feeling or something. And now it's kind of going by the wayside, though it's still around. Let's be faithful to Jesus, not to a movement, not to a name, not to a pastor. Weigh out the importance of doctrine. That which can be compromised and that which cannot. The essentials for salvation and holy living, even as Paul reminds Timothy. Listen to some of the things Paul tells Timothy about doctrine. Listen. 1 Timothy 1.3 as I urge you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. First Timothy 4.13, till I come, give attention to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. This is the pastor's responsibility from the pulpit. First Timothy 4.16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing so, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Doctrine. 1 Timothy 6, 3-5 If any man or anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, healthy words, sound words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which according with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which some and come envy, strive, reviling, evil, suspicious, useless wranglings of men, corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is means of gain, from such withdraw yourself. Real simple. Good counsel. One more. Second Timothy 4, 3-5. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. Your ears itch? Be careful. Be real careful. They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Always watching, always vigilant. Not suspicious, not like a police, but I know who I am. I know what I believe. I know who I'm following. You remember Jeremiah? He lived among many false prophets. He did not remain silent. Listen to him. In Jeremiah 23, 26 to 29. How long will you be? Will it be in the heart of the prophets to prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of deceit in their own heart. Who try to make my people forget my name by dreams in which everyone tells his neighbor. As their father forgot my name for Baal. The prophet who dreams a dream, let him tell my dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What a shaft to wheat. You hear that? All that stuff is shaft. What is wheat is the word of God. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Jeremiah 23, 26-29. The word of God. He continues in verse 30 and 32. He says, Therefore, behold, I am against the prophet, says the Lord, who steals my word, everyone from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophet, says the Lord, who use the tongue and say, He says. Behold, I am against those who prophesy dreams, says the Lord, and tell them, and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet, 
I did not send them or commanded them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. False prophets. Paul reproves them for what they believed. The folly to reject. Reject it. Here's the third one. Verse 3. Paul re-instructs them on what they had forgotten. You might quote this. The faithful word to receive. The faithful word to receive. He instructs, re-instructs them on what they had forgotten. The application is very obvious. Look at verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So these are nothing new. He told them when he found the church. He told them the first letter. Now he's telling them again in the second letter. Over and over again. Parents, how many times do you have to tell your kids to turn off the lights? Until the last day that they leave, live in your house. Paul is a faithful father. Notice first, Paul instructs them that believers are to watch for various means of deception. Various means of deception. Look at the word deceive. It means to beguile, seduce, wholly, entirely. Sin nature can deceive us. Romans 7.11 Self can deceive us. 1 Corinthians 3.18 Satan can deceive us. 2 Corinthians 11.3 And man can deceive us. Matthew 24.4 You've got a lot of people and things that can deceive you if you're not grounded in the word of God. The method is described as by any means. He's not limiting it to just prophecy. He's not limiting just to teaching. He's not limiting just to a letter by any means. Visions, dreams, whatever. Any means. You compare everything to the scripture. Notice secondly, Paul instructs them that the day of the Lord will not come unless two things happen. So here he gives them a key. Nothing new. Something new already. First, the falling away comes first. The phrase falling away, apostasia, means deflection from the truth, to forsake. The word in classical Greek is used of a political or military rebellion. In the Old Testament Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew, it is used of rebellion against God in Joshua 22.22 and 2 Chronicles 29.19. The phrase is found one other time in the New Testament. Where Paul is accused by the Jews of telling Jews to forsake the law of Moses in Acts 21.21. You see the root word means to remove. And so some believe that it could refer equally to the departure, the removal of the church from the earth. Which he gets into later on in verse 6 and 7. He says, uh, you now know that it is restraining that he might be revealed in his own time. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work until he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So it is possible that some use this verse to say that it, it, it works both of the falling away and the removal of the church at the same time. And that could be true. But for sure it means the falling away from the faith. Okay, Whether it means the removal at the same time, we're not sure. But it certainly speaks about the falling away. The church is raptured. Revelations 4 and 5 is before the throne of God. Chapter 6, the Antichrist appears. Now, I think that the falling away has already begun. And the removal of the church will complete the falling away. 
Because we are the restrainer of evil. When we're removed, all hell breaks loose. The Holy Spirit will not be removed. The Holy Spirit convicts the world's sin. It is the Spirit through the church that makes us the restrainer of evil. We petition against abortion. We petition against evil. When the church is removed, no one's left here but non-believers. And then those that will be saved after that. We are the restrainer. The late J. Vernon McGee believed, right before he died, his last letter said, he believed that we were in the great apostasy. Now, this apostasy has the article. It is not talking about the many apostasies that take place periodically, like in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. This has the article, the apostasy. This is the apostasy of the all apostasies, the last apostasy. And look at Christianity today. There's literally thousands and millions of people who are sitting under pastors who are teaching false doctrine. That they are little gods. That they can create their own reality. And God is nothing more but their genie. All kinds of other weird doctrines. Now, if this last great apostasy has already begun, then it has to preclude that the Antichrist is alive somewhere on the earth today. If it has, he's alive. Somewhere on the earth. Ready to be revealed when the church is removed. Notice the man of sin is revealed. That's the second thing. Falling away, then a man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition. The man of sin depicts his character. Lawless. Rebellious against who? God. He appears as a result of the falling away. Notice verse 6 and 7. 6 to 8. We already read 6 through 7 about the church, the restrainer. And verse 8 says, And then the lawless one will be revealed, who the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The word reveal is apocalypse, which means to unveil. He used it in chapter 1, verse 7. The tense is eras, pointing to the definite time when the veil will be removed. So, it's like if you came into the study here and I had a sheet over the pulpit. It's a new pulpit. You don't know what it looks like. And then I unveil it. This is the word. You see it for the first time. So in other words, when the Antichrist is unveiled, everybody will know. If you're left behind, you'll know. Because Israel will make a covenant with him. Daniel 9.27 says. And you will know because he'll bring peace to the Middle East. And you'll know because he's going to start building the temple for the Jews. And you'll know because three and a half years he'll declare himself God in the temple. And you'll know. The implication is that if this falling away had already begun, then it meant that he would be on earth. But the fact was he wasn't on earth. And they were still present. So they should have known better than to fall for the lie. You understand? If they knew the scriptures, they couldn't be moved, shaken, deceived. Now he has many other titles and we'll study it next time. But uh, John calls him the Antichrist over and over in his epistle. But there are many titles and names for him. Uh, Antichrist kind of has stuck with him. But notice secondly, he calls him the son of perdition. This describes his destiny. First his character, now his destiny. Doom and destruction. This phrase is used to describe only two people. First, Judas Iscariot in John 17, 2. It is used to describe the Antichrist in our text. No other two are, are described by this term. Judas Iscariot was possessed by Satan. Luke 22, 3 tells us in John 13, 27. 
and Satan entered him. And he went to betray Jesus Christ. Jesus was the epitome of the incarnation of God. The Antichrist will be the incarnation of Satan. There's always a genuine, there's always a counterfeit. Always a true, always a false. Deception is natural for man due to the condition of the heart. Jeremiah 79 says, The heart of man is deceitful, definitely wicked, above all things. Only God knows it. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Don't be deceived through newspaper theology. Stick to biblical theology. The Bible gives you first-hand information about the last times and the coming of Christ. Every commentary you read, you must check through the scriptures. The scripture is first-hand information. The prophet Daniel clearly delineates the last week of the 70 weeks of Daniel that would usher in the covenant of the Antichrist in Israel. Israel initiated in Daniel 9.27. The first 69 weeks, as you know, have been fulfilled to the day, beginning March 14, 445 B.C., when Artaxerxes commanded Nehemiah to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. April 6, 32 A.D., Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, the colt, the foal of an ass. Matthew 21. And he cried in Luke 19, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you would have known this thy day, the things that were prepared for you, but now they're removed from you. You should not see me till you say, Blessed you comes in the name of the Lord. They missed the day of the Messiah. They had the scriptures, but they allowed themselves to be deceived. The 70th week will result in the removal of the church. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. We're removed, the Antichrist appears. The day that brings the rapture of the church will also bring the day of the Lord in wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 said that. So the first three and a half years will be false peace. Tribulation, 1 Thessalonians 5, 3. The last three and a half years will be great tribulation. The day of God's wrath. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. And also he speaks about it in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rapture. Begins the day of the Lord. The 70th week. As long as we're here, it has not begun. As long as the falling away continues, it has not taken place. As long as the Antichrist has not made a covenant with Israel, we are still here. Christ has not come for us. So don't let no man deceive you. So Paul instructs them again on what they had forgotten. The faithful word to receive. You open your heart to the truth of God's word? Are you easily swayed, deceived? Are you a, a, a spiritual child being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine? Are you more interested in perspiration than inspiration? Make sure you get a good spiritual workout. I hope you stay to the word. Many deceivers. Paul has comforted the Thessalonians regarding false teaching about the day of the Lord by reminding them of what they knew reproving them for what they had believed and re-instructing them on what they had forgotten what a faithful shepherd what a loving spiritual father a beacon a watchtower is that what you are? you should be as well as I 
words of truth and hope amidst confusion and hopelessness. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of teaching and holding on to the truth found in God's Word. And if you'd like a copy of today's message, The Day and Gathering to Christ, it's available on CD for only $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier taught the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The Day and Gathering to Christ, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What kind of impact will the Antichrist have? That's our discussion on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope you'll be back then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 